Welcome to Pushing the Limits with your host, Lisa Tarmody, where it's all about health optimization, anti-aging, longevity, and being the very best you can be. Brought to you by lisatarmody.com. Oh my gosh, this uh, interview uh, was absolutely brilliant. I had Dr. Lat Mansour on from Healthfire Modern Nutrition, a company that produces Ketone IQ. Uh, This is a product that I have been wanting for a long time, Ketone Esters, and we now have it in the country. Um, I have mum on it, and it's been... um, uh, an incredible change already in her performance and her ability to communicate, her speech. There's just so many great things. So this episode is all about ketones, ketone esters, the research that's going on um, for anybody dealing with with um, ailments of any type, really, uh, who want to understand what ketones do in the body, anybody who's interested in the keto diet, anyone who's interested in metabolic health, which should be all of us, um, this is an episode for you. So Dr. Lat is just someone who is such a, uh, I love, he's a lovely man, incredible brain, uh, and it's a, a absolutely brilliant uh, interview. So I hope you do enjoy it and get a lot out of it. And I hope you'll go and check out Ketone IQ on the back of this. So make sure that you head on over to my shop or the links will be down below to Ketone IQ if you want to try it out after listening to all the research that's going on around um, exogenous ketones, then you can check out Ketone IQ and grab some for yourself and trial it. Okay, now over to the show with Dr. Lat Mansour. Well, hey, everyone, super excited to have you join me again at Pushing the Limits. Today, I have Dr. Lat Mansour. Welcome to the show. Lat, it's fantastic to have you. Thank you very much, Lisa. Thank you very much for having me. Pleasure. It's absolutely amazing to be able to talk to you. We're going to be talking about ketones, exogenous ketones, ketone esters, um, the work that you're doing at HVMN, uh, and the exciting developments that are going on in this space. Um, before we dive into all the ketone magic, if you like, um, would you be able to give us a little bit of a background about yourself, Dr. Lat? That'd be lovely. Sure, sure. So I was born uh, and bred in Malaysia. I um, grew up in Malaysia until I was uh, 20 years old. I I finished my A-levels and I went to the UK and did my um, undergraduate in University of Nottingham in biotechnology. So that was my bachelor's. Right after that, I got accepted into Columbia University in New York doing master's in biotechnology as well. But while my undergrad was a very broad range biotechnology sort of courses, my master's were more focused on pharmaceutical sciences, regulatory affairs, very into the drug development side of things. Um, And then after my master's, I thought, well, I, I don't want to go into research. I don't want to marry myself with another three, four years of being in the lab. So I started applying for jobs and eventually I got a job as a clinical clinical trial coordinator. So I was sort of helping, you know, a pharma company running, uh, you know, the clinical trials, the filing and all the documentations around things. Um, I worked for them for about half a year. Uh, and then I got promoted into full-time, um, moved to Germany, Munich, worked for them for a year as wow. an analyst, uh, sort of more into the consulting business uh, side of the pharma, where I provided consulting services to healthcare providers, such as hospitals, clinics, doctors, to make sure that they're optimizing their system and their way of running operations. Um you know, especially in the US at that time, it was very much value based sort of medicine where you provide the value instead of just running a procedure. And then from then on, um, I was so inspired during that one year and a half working for the pharmaceutical company. I was so inspired by the people in the company who are so smart, who are so scientific, but also very entrepreneurial. So I thought to myself, I want to be the bridge between business and science or like the general population and science and make sure that whatever knowledge and information we acquire in the lab gets translated into an applicable manner to the general public. Therefore, I applied to do a PhD at the University of Oxford from Germany at that time. I got accepted literally two weeks before Christmas. So that was best Christmas present ever. (laughs) Um, I got accepted in 2000 10 so it was december 2010 um intake for fall 2011 
moved back to the UK, started my PhD in physiology, anatomy, and genetics. My specialization was in cardiovascular disease and diabetes. So I looked at metabolism of type 2 diabetic heart in hypoxia, which is low oxygen environment. So, um, and then from my PhD, you know, fast forward three years, four years later, I graduated from my PhD, went back to uh, Southeast Asia, worked for diabetes management program in Singapore for a year and a half before starting my own company in Malaysia in health tech, um, using chatbot to help people understand the blood test results and interpret blood test results. And not necessarily interpret in the sense that doctors are doing, but more so just telling them what cholesterols are, what LDLs are, what triglycerides are, just to have, just to make people have a little bit of an insight as to what their blood results tell them, because all they're going to get is barely 15 minutes with the doctor yeah. and for the doctor to say all's good come back in three months six months a year right yeah. so we want to really raise raise that awareness raise the level of understanding around biomarkers around importance of annual checkups and ignorance is not bliss mm. in this case because the sooner you catch whatever you know, your body is going through whether it's chronic disease or you know cancer markers or whatever the better or the higher the survival chance is for you. So um, that was what I did for a year and a half in Malaysia. And then before HVMN found me and they flew me all the way from Malaysia to San Francisco for an interview for a week, met the team, offered me a job at the end of the week. And I have been with HVMN since 2019. So about a little bit more than three years now. And what I do here, I'm the research lead of HVMN. I am in charge of all the collaborations with researchers, uh, institutions, and also our internal studies on science and R&D. But most importantly, I'm also the principal investigator for our $6 million grant with the Department of Defense Wow! uh, using exogenous ketones to look at cognitive and physical performance, specifically in hypoxia. So that is a, a, a grant that was given to us, a contract, that uses exogenous ketones on special operators, so special command, um, especially at high altitude or deep sea exploration where oxygen is scarce and you get a decline in cognitive performance. Mm -hmm. So having exogenous ketones, what we've seen is that that decline has been mitigated. Wow. So so that's Oh my gosh. I've brought um, I've, I've I've taken you all around the world now. Yeah, you have. In in in, in succinct five minutes and given us amazing credibility that you have that you've you've um gone through so many iterations. If I can just talk to the blood markers and the the the, the stuff you did in Malaysia, I'm so passionate about people understanding their blood markers and that uh, not just hearing from the doctor, oh, you're in range, you know, what exactly. range? <laughs> Opt- optimal is what we're aiming for and prevention is is the name of the game and, that you know, that's what I'm here to help people do as well is to try to translate uh, what, what's happening in their blood markers, which I find is a very basic, cheap, easy test to do and let's get a whole lot of really valuable information about how you're tracking um, and, you know, in things like phenotypic age now which are coming out which is just super exciting to be able to see how are you tracking compared to your peers you know and are you aging well or not aging well and what can you do to and when you get a scorecard like that it is like a bit of a scorecard it um, is you can do something about it you know and then you can take proactive steps and I, I like that that you said don't put your head in the sand because this is the chance that you have to correct things very early on rather than waiting for the disaster. And I've lived through many disasters, unfortunately, in my family, where we put the head in the sand and didn't didn't look under the under the hood, so to speak, until it was too late. So very passionate about that. But today we're going to be diving into ketones. And so you were doing a whole lot of research with the with the defense. Um and so the exogenous ketones, let's start there. What are exogenous ketones versus what you produce internally. Yeah. Yeah, sure. I, I think exogenous ketones are still a relatively new term to a lot of people because what we have found is most, I think one of the most asked questions from our customers is that if I am to take exogenous ketones, do I have to be on a ketogenic diet? Yeah. They are almost two completely different things because yeah. when you are on ketogenic diet or if you're fasting or if you're in starvation, 
our survival instinct kicks in, our body starts making ketones out of fat. So the the reason, uh, one of the main reasons why we produce ketones ourselves when we are low on glycogen and glucose, because the body will always burn glycogen and glucose first, because they are the the fastest energy energy um, supplier, a fastest substrate to to produce energy. But we can only carry about two thousand um, calories worth of sugar in the body and the rest about 20 to 40,000 calories are in form of fat because they are the most dense calorie um, storage system. So what happens when we have burnt all the carb storage, uh, it's that's when we start using our fat um, storage. And yes, we can burn fat for energy, obviously, and, and every gram of fat gives you nine calories. However, now the problem is with the brain we have something called the blood-brain barrier where we have an endothelial cells which sort of filters the blood and and filters big molecules um, to not be able to enter the brain. So fat or fatty acids are too big of a molecule to enter the brain. So that's why the body needed to break down fats into ketones in the liver where it's only four carbon long or well the main the four main ketone bodies that our bodies create are beta hydroxybutyrate acetoacetate and acetone mm-hmm. usually beta hydroxybutyrate and acetoacetate they are around 50-50 ratio but to get transported within the body usually is in the form of beta hydroxybutyrate because that's just more stable than acetoacetate um and but once they reach the site, either muscles or brain or heart, um, the beta-hydroxybutyrate will get converted to acetoacetate before it gets converted into acetyl-CoA. And mm-hmm. as we know, acetyl-CoA goes straight into the Krebs cycle and that gives you energy. So usually we get, you know, from the glucose pathway, we go down glycolysis, uh, a little bit of biochemistry here, go down yes. glycolysis, it produces pyruvate, pyruvate converts into acetyl-CoA and enters this Krebs cycle. So it's the same acetyl-CoA entry level to enter the Krebs cycle, creates all these intermediates and FADH and NADH and goes into the electron um, uh, transport chain. Yep. Yeah. So, so that is endogenous ketone. That is the survivability um, of the body and, and making sure that our brain will always be able to function even if we are low on carb intake or low on carb storage. Now, about 20, 30 years ago, um, DARPA, which is a, a department within the DOD in US, funded uh, research uh, by Dr. Richard Veach, um, mm-hmm. who have passed away a couple of years ago. And he was representing NIH, National Institute of Health, to look at a efficient fuel to be used by special operators, by the military. So when they're on long and demanding mission, how can we optimize endurance how can we optimize cognition right because all we have known uh, are in terms of fuel are sub uh, are glucose or carbs fats and proteins mm. right and they all have their places in fueling absolutely but then you know they started looking into ketones and eventually they came out with a form of ketone exogenous ketone in a form of ketone ester which is a bhb beta hydroxybutyrate bound with R13-butane-diol in an ester bond. That's why they're called ketone esters. What it does is, is that it increases your blood BHB level acutely and within minutes. So that way you don't have to wait for your body to use up all your carb storage in order for your body to kickstart the ketogenesis, which is a production of ketones by your liver. So you can drink it, and regardless whether or not you're on keto diet or if you're fasting, you can have that beta-hydroxybutyrate increase in your blood and therefore creating that, that reservoir of ketones to be distributed uh, all over your body, especially in the brain and, and heart. We have seen in studies for sure that the heart and the brain um, does prefer to use ketone. If ketones are available, the wow. uptake of ketones will get prioritized. Um, in the heart, though, they have seen that it gets prioritized, but without <clears throat> affecting the other substrates. In other words, the the higher the availability of ketones, the higher the uptake. However, the other substrates uptake were not affected. So in my mind, what I'm thinking is like you are not only um, saying that the heart prefers ketones, but by providing ketones, you are providing a complete different class of fuel and you're providing extra energy and imagine how much 
difference this was this would make in ischemia in heart attack Absolutely. where you have lack of energy and wow. you, you have lack of my uh, you know you have the damage caused by oxidative damage because of the lack of energy lack of substrate lack of ways to 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 um excrete the waste of of respiration you're providing the heart with this extra fuel that could possibly, you know, mitigate that sort of damage. I have to jump in there because that's, you just got me really excited there because obviously um, this would also apply perhaps towards the brain. Um, and so yep. the brain and the heart are very mitochondrial rich and they, they, they require a ton of energy to operate. And one yep. of the things that I became aware of, uh, you know, when mum had an aneurysm and a stroke, and since working with, with people with concussions and TBIs is that their ability to uptake glucose is impaired. Um, mm -hmm. and then in the hospital, they go and give you something like insure because they can't get any food in the, the normal sort of way. And that, of course, is glucose based. Um, and for me, my mind goes to why the hell is that not ketone based? Ketone esters yeah. at that point would be, uh, something that I hope we can see a, a trial in that because what we might see then is that the brain can recover because it's got a fuel source because one of the main problems, and, and I'm uh, imagining I don't know as much about the heart, but that the same ischemia, the same hy hypoxia is going to be causing the damage actually in the aftermath. So this is really exciting research. You are absolutely right. Um, and it's very similar in terms of mechanism because Look at it this way, right? If we go back to biochemistry, glucose, glucose is, is hydrophilic, right? We've got the cell membrane, which is phospholipid bilayer, mm -hmm. which is, you know, made out of lipids. So in yep. order to pass through the cell membrane to enter the cell, glucose needs glucose transporters, the glute one, so, glute two, yep. three, four. Yep. And when, um, you know, for example, like in Alzheimer's, um, they have seen some form of brain insulin resistance. Mm. And, and when you're resistant to insulin, you're essentially not responding to the insulin signals to upregulate those glutes to be translocated onto the cell membrane in order to bring in more glucose. So the more glucose you give in, yes, you can like sort of brute force it. But you're not really fixing the problem here because it will, it will actually increase that insulin resistance. But when you provide ketones, ketones get into the cell via MCT, a completely different transporter, monocarboxylate transporter. So that's a completely different transporter, which is not regulated uh, directly by insulin. So when that happens, you're providing a new avenue for the cells, for the brain, to take in a substrate, which could potentially be more efficient than glucose as well. And this, in, in 1995, Sato, um, he showed that in the mitochondria, ketones actually provided more efficient energy per molecule of oxygen. Wow. Wow. So, so I, I, that could possibly also explain why, you know, these organs all prefer ketones because they can use it up quick and they can use it more efficiently and they don't have to, especially in the, in the face of hypoxia, for example, the availability of oxygen is very scarce. Yes. So you need to conserve it as much as possible but also making sure that the atp or the energy are being energy uh, are being generated to maintain operation right we the brain and the, the heart can't stop working from the point that you know we, we fully yeah, develop to the point that quick. we die it, it, we just can't stop working or else you know that's the end um so so that's what happens and and when you provide that more efficient fuel with a different pathway of entering the cell like all of that plays a role in mitigating the inefficiency in utilizing glucose or just the deficiency in energy in general wow this is amazing so when it comes to metabolic disorders i mean we know that 85% of our population in America, at least, and probably the same here, are metabolically uh, dysfunctional and have issues and, and some degree of insulin resistance. So this isn't just for people like with, um, you know, for athletes or special forces or people with heart attacks or, or, or um, aneurysms and strokes, but also people that are dealing with, you know, weight gain around the middle and the typical insulin resistant picture of low energy and, and things going south, which what often happens in middle age, right? And we get that middle age spread going on. And so this is something that impacts pretty much 
the entire population, especially in our carb-driven world um, yeah. where, you know, you've got a McDonald's and a KFC on every street corner and people are not fasting like our ancestors did. Um, is this a way, and, you know, I, I listen to many lectures and I'd love your take on it, um, can you use like when you take exogenous ketones versus being in a ketotic state where you are producing in, internally the the ketones from your fat is there an advantage for metabolic dysregulation so if you aren't able to do the keto diet and let's be honest everyone the keto diet is a little bit difficult to maintain for a long period of time is yeah. this a way of getting your having your cake and eating it too so to speak or right. is this something completely different, you know, than the normal ketotic state? Yeah, no, um, that's that's what I usually tell people is that I don't care how you get into a ketotic state. I don't care how you achieve ketosis. You can do it via fasting. You can do it via keto diet. You can do it via exogenous ketones. What's important is having some form of ketones in your body. On top of providing that extra energy, ketones have been shown to have signaling properties onto oh. like DNA level. So, oh. so there's something called beta hydroxybutyrylation that happens, um, that has effect on histones and, 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 and sort of unwinding the DNA and promoting transcription of genes that could possibly be, be beneficial for longevity, for metabolic, um, health, yeah. uh, as well as, you know, but, but the research are still ongoing because that is such a micro level that is yeah. so intricate and so interlinked with everything else because that's what metabolism is it's such a complicated and sophisticated network of pathways that you can't just look at it in a linear fashion because you turn one thing down the other one the other things would get turned on in order to compensate so you want to find the optimal configuration to make sure that everything works perfectly so in, in to answer your question is that i think exogenous ketone is a supplement so first and foremost, you need to fix the foundation of your life, i.e. your lifestyle, your nutrition, your sleep, your diet, you know, your, your exercise, your physical activity. And then once the foundation is fixed, you can build on top of it. So that's when the ketones come in, right? As a supplement. If, if ketogenic lifestyle, a ketogenic diet is a lifestyle that one can adopt easily and, you know, they don't have sweet tooth, it's easy for them then I would say go for it. It will be cheaper because, you know, you produce your own ketones about 75 to 100 grams uh, per day. So that's perfectly fine. But if you feel like you need some flexibility, if you have kids at home, you're cooking, you've got some carbs, you've got potatoes, you've got pasta, um, you, you want to have some fruits and that might kick you out of ketosis. That also requires you to const constantly check your blood ketone levels just to make sure you're in ketosis. So, I think from a from a metabolic therapeutic point of view, having some form of ketone is better than none. Um, and both forms of of achieving ketosis are equally valid, but it just depends on what works for you. Yeah, yeah. So I love that. So the signaling the, the signaling stuff that and, and I imagine that the studies are, are yet to be fully developed and, and done in, in that in that area because that must be very, very complex to be able to look at you know, what genes have been turned on by these signaling ones. And is there a difference? There would hopefully be no difference between whether you've done it endogenously or you've taken it exogenously. Yeah, um, I wouldn't I wouldn't expect there's any difference in that just because if you take exogenous ketones versus you produce your own ketones, it's the same exact molecule. Yeah. It's LBHB. Exactly. Um, that is, that, I mean, it, it, there is no reason to believe that our bodies would perceive an exogenous molecule differently to an endogenous one just because the entire structure of the molecule is exactly the same. There is no marker whatsoever for our body to perceive it differently. Yeah. Is there a danger though when you have like glucose at a higher level plus your ketones? Because from a, from an evolutionary point of view, that would never have happened. That is, that is a great question. Um, I've asked that question only once. Um, <laughs> and yes, um, the concern is that, you know, it's not a physiological state where you have high glucose and high ketones, right? So the answer is, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, and, and I, I'm, I'm okay to say that I don't yeah, know whether that, do. that, that state is sustainable or that state is dangerous. But what we have seen in athletes 
is that having high sugar and high ketones actually help them with their performance. Wow. Because they're using them. So you're using a hybrid fuel system in order to push yourself further. And it does have a glycogen sparing effect. So we have seen that with ketones, you're sparing your glycogen because you're burning your ketones first. And then you're going to switch gear over to the glucose and help you like push further, faster. And our recent research in our clinical trial that we sponsored in University of North Georgia, we saw a, a, um, a, a, a an improvement of peak power across the board um, using ketones. So anaerobic exercise, which has never been shown before. No. So all this while, exogenous ketones have been synonymous with endurance and, yeah. and, and cycling and triathlon athletes. But for the first time ever, we're looking at strong power with like, you know, five, uh, 10 seconds push as strong as you can. We actually saw an increase in, in power wow, using, using ketone IQ. Yeah. So, so to your answer, like if you're sitting around and sedentary lifestyle, having high sugar and high ketone, probably not the best idea because, you know, when you're consuming ketones, especially if you're not just producing your own ketones, because the only way to achieve high sugar and high ketone is when you consume ketone, exogenous ketones, right? Yeah. And don't forget that exogenous ketones themselves also have calories. So if yeah. you're not using them, you are piling on calories. So, you know, you are still having the calorie access if you're not having an active lifestyle or a healthy, healthy um, diet, you are eventually going to uh, increase your fat storage and you're yeah. going to get overweight and increase all the risk. So it's not a magic pill that solves all your problem. It's something that should complement the, again, go back to the foundation, a healthy foundation that you built. Yeah. So, you know, we if we are not <clears throat> active, like today, if I'm not working out, I should not be consuming a lot of carbs to begin with. Yeah. But exactly. I can still get the ketones for the mental clarity because it has only like 70 calories per, per, per shot. Yeah. And like both of us today, you know, before we came on here, I had, we both had a shot. Mum's sitting over in the corner having her shot right now. <laughs> and, 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 you know, uh, from, from anecdotal evidence, like mum, my mum, who my listeners know my story, um, has been on the HVMN um, ketone IQ for the past month or so. Um, and I've noticed um, a, a big improvement in her cognitive uh, functioning. So there you go. That's it right there for those watching on video. Um, it, it, her ability to speak, her ability to, to articulate, um, the flat effect that, that, that she was plagued with where she's not able to express emotions very well through the face, through things which happens to people with brain injuries. Um, the intro being very introverted, uh, all of those things I've seen improvements with. So the mental, that there's this cognitive, and this is after eight years after the original event and, you know, after dealing with cancer the last year. So just anecdotal and, and we've only been on this a month and we've got the ketones now in the country. Ketone IQ is available now in the shop, everybody. So go and check it out. Um, and I'm taking it, so from an athlete's perspective, if we go back to the athlete perspective, you know, I'm very aware that a lot of, um, so ultra endurance athletes, or I'd say not a lot, some ultra endurance athletes have flipped over to, to being in ketosis and doing the keto diet and finding that they can run a heck of a lot longer. And of course, I've, you know, got a background as an ultra endurance athlete and I was never, um, in ketosis. I was, cause back then we were, you know, carb, carb, carb. You have to just keep fueling in order to to keep running, um, I wonder <laughs> how much further better I could have done if I had been in ketosis when having both substrates. And so that 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 was interesting. I did have a question around what is your is I you know a ketones only good if you're in a an aerobic uh is an aerobic capacity. So like for an ultra runner who's running slow but long. Mm -hmm. um, perfect for, for fuel not mm -hmm. so much maybe for the sprinter or the short distance 5k athlete who's going at full capacity but maybe not yeah so that has always been the notion around um, ketones because we know that glucose is always king when it comes to anaerobic exercise because glucose has this pathway called glycolysis where it doesn't require oxygen to yeah. produce energy whereas ketones and and fats they will need 
oxygen to produce energy. So in terms of fast turnaround time to produce energy, glucose has always been, you know, the the king when it comes to, you know, fueling for anaerobic exercise. Now, however, in the most recent study that the results literally just came out last week and we are in the process of publishing it. So I can't can't talk too much about it, but I can certainly say for the first time ever, we have shown that uh, ketone IQ um, or exogenous ketone or R13-butanediol does increase peak power, average peak power, maximum peak power, as well as RPM velocity um, wow. in a 10-second all-out sprint. So th- and, and, and it has been shown via the respiratory exchange ratio as well, because when you go higher than one, you know that you're burning glucose. But between groups, between the placebo and the ketone group, the ketone group tend to go lower on the, on the RER, albeit still burning carbs, but it's lower than, than, um, the placebo group, meaning that, you know, the body is, is still sort of trying to push it to, to burn, um, either ketones or, or, um, fats. And that is amazing because, you are basically showing that your body is, is sparing the glycogen for for sprints later because they're being asked to do a 5k run before and mm-hmm. then they go on the bike and go five times 10 seconds like all out sprint wow. and the the hypothesis is that the 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 the, the glycogen, glycogen sparing effect during the 5k run gives these participants enough storage of oh. carbs to then push for the later stage of the sprint. Wow. Um, so, so this is, this is super interesting and still very new because, you know, one would think having ketones in an endurance exercise in a race, in the, in the marathon run, you are essentially training your body to tap into the larger storage system, which is the fat system. And this is true. Like, you know, I, I sort of interviewed Debbie Potts, who is also, um, an endurance athlete, you know, Ironman and all of that. And she, she trains her clients to go at a much lower, steadier pace and monitor the heart rate, but also, you know, fueling it correctly, but monitoring your heart rate to be able to teach your body to prioritize fats and fat oxidation. Because that is a bigger tank to tap into rather than, you know, only tap into it when you are like completely stressed out, completely like run out of glucose. So, um, yeah, mm. we'll see, you know, hopefully more, more research to come to look at anaerobic exercise and what ketones, um, role, what, what role ketone has to play in, in that. Just interrupting the show to talk to you about something that I'm very, very uh, passionate about, and that's photobiomodulation. For the last seven years, I've been using devices from a company called Vilight.com. That's V-I-E-L-I-G-H-T.com. And I use their devices in mum's rehabilitation with her uh, brain injuries. Um, but this is using uh, photobiomodulation, uh, low-level light therapy. It's using the red light therapy and infrared light therapy. And there's a lot of clinical research going on. I would encourage you to go over and check it all out on vilight.com and also listen to the two episodes that I've done on this podcast with Dr. Lou Lim and with Peter Adams from Vilight. Um, if you're wanting to find out more, I encourage you to look at the research, the clinical research around things like Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, TBI, uh, autism, PTSD, um, immune system modulation. And it's a, it's a very powerful uh, therapeutic uh, that can be used <clears throat> for um, increasing your cellular health. What it does is that on a basic level, it's using your mitochondria. The mitochondria are very particularly receptive uh, to non-ionizing electromagnetic energy to trigger photochemical changes within the cellular structure that are receptive to photons. And at the cellular level, visible red and near-infrared light energy are absorbed by the mitochondria, which are those powerhouses of your cell, which perform the function of producing cellular energy called ATP. And the key to this entire process is a mitochondrial enzyme called cytochrome oxidase C, 
which is a chromophore which accepts photonic energy or light energy of specific wavelengths. And so it's going to increase your ability to produce ATP. I won't go and butcher the science anymore. I encourage you to head over to violite.com. And if you do buy any devices, We've managed to uh, get you a discount. If you use the code TAMATI, that's T-A-M-A-T-I with a little T, TAMATI, you'll get 10% off at checkout. So make sure you go and check it all out. Yeah, and, and, and if we look at, um, say, the Tour de France riders, I know a lot of the Tour de France riders are on um, HVMN's keto, keto and IQ, Um and, and what is some of their feedback to you guys? Because, I mean, watching those guys, and I love watching cycling, big fan of the Tour de France, and <laughs> incredible performances that they bring day after day. What gets me as someone who's done, you know, like, you know, like I ran through New Zealand, for example, and did 2,250Ks in 42 days, and I know what it takes to go day in, day out, and deplete yourself every day get up again and go again and go again. And that's what impresses me so much with these guys and they're doing it at, at, at a speed and an intensity. It's just the mental side of the, the the whole thing as well, the focus, the concentration. When you're running, you can sort of stumble along, you know, somehow. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas when you're going at 70, 80K down a hill, you better be on it, right? Yeah. <laughs> so how how what has been the feedback from, from any of the Tour de France riders? Because it must be fascinating. I mean, we, I, I personally haven't seen any direct feedback from them, but the fact that they keep coming back, I mean, that <laughs> says a lot. Uh, yeah. yeah. They keep coming back during like, you know, training season versus racing season. I think that is a very good feedback in and of itself. Yeah. Um, I think people do, you know, just anecdotally, a lot of our customers, they, they feel that the, the fatigue level is less when they go training. So they feel like they can go further and go for longer. Uh, and then the other, the other half, a majority of them actually talked about the cognitive clarity, yeah. the cognitive performance yeah. that they get during the run. You can just feel the focus. And and when you're like really focused on something, you know, time just flies and you feel like your body just does what it's supposed to do. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about mitochondria. Mm-hmm. So mitochondrial health <coughs> and, and our ability to produce energy, and many, many people are dealing with some level of, of mitochondrial dysfunction and problems with their mitochondria actually producing any. Is there any studies around, is it, re, you know, uh, restoratives to mitochondria in any way, um, any effects there that's been I, noticed? I think <coughs> in terms of um, restorative effect uh, on mitochondria or mitochondrial biogenesis, I don't think ketone has any direct effect on it. I do think exercise is a very, very strong intervention when it comes to mitochondrial, mitochondrial biogenesis. Um, I believe in episode uh, 199 uh, of, of HVMN podcast, I interviewed um, Dr. Louisa uh, Nicola. Um, she's from Australia, actually, but she's oh, based in the US. So uh, she's a neurophysiologist and she presented a paper that looked at cardio, um, cardio um, sort of aerobic exercise, but maintaining at zone two for at least 45 minutes, three times a week, actually showed increase in mitochondrial biogenesis. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, so. So, totally. and then another paper that I found, and I'm going to write up this little, little summary and post it on my social media as well, is that I found that uh, another paper sort of broke down and, and talked about how the exercise increasing mitochondrial biogenesis via BDNF, which is brain derived neurotropic factor, it's by increasing ketone levels. Oh. Well, so so that okay. is very interesting. So yeah. so what they saw is that you know the exercise increases the ketone levels, and the ketone levels somehow you know tie it into the pathway that upregulates BDNF. Wow. So whether or not if you're at rest but you have ketones upregulates BDNF, it's yet to be seen. But for sure, if you are exercising and having ketones, um, that that showed the upregulation of BDNF. And BDNF is brain-derived neurotrophic factor for those who are wondering what the hell we're talking about. Um, yeah. and very important for healing of brains and for, for brain function and, and preserving your brain function as you get older and so on. Um, and anything that's going to incre- increase BDNF, um, and there's a genetic factor to that 
that plays a, a role as well. Um, but anything that's going to improve that is going to be good for, um, yeah, preserving your brain and preserving your cognitive function. Yeah. And, and there are quite a few review papers that looked at role of ketones in stroke. And they talked about BDNF in that sense and how wow. ketones directly affect BDNF as well as lower lowering um, and, uh, inflammation via reducing the the, the amount of uh, interleukin-6, uh, which is a marker, which is cytokines that is um, directly related to stress level and oxidative damage. And this is another thing, so interleukin-6. So one of the, so when you have a, a brain injury like a stroke or an aneurysm or a TBI or, or things like that, you're, you're, you're getting massive inflammation and this happens over a period of time too, not just yep. immediately. So, you know, if you, if you get a concussion and people, you know, do the eye test and think you're fine, not necessarily, right? It, it, it can be days later or weeks later when you start to see the, the actual inflam inflammatory processes. So anything that's going to hit those inflammation pathways and, and dampen that down has got to be good. And one of the things that I wish when mum had had the aneurysm is that I'd been able to get ketone esters into her at that point. Um, that would have been... I think would have saved, and you know, this is just me putting two and two together from the biochemistry that I know. Um, mm. That would have probably mitigated a lot of the the, the, the after effects, of the damage, and the massive inflammation that we then saw. And we, what we saw was a, over over weeks, she got worse, not better, worse and worse and worse, and lost more and more brain function. So at the beginning, she was still able to talk, and by the end, she didn't know who she was or was able to talk. And that was the uh, inflammation and. A course in the skull where you've got a fixed area and in, in swelling in the brain um you're knocking off you know brain cells um and I, i'm very i had dr dom diagostino on the show uh yes. who is a fantastic man um on so many levels and he's done a lot of research around uh hyperbaric oxygen therapy and ketones and um cancer and and, and things like this and um you know like going through the cancer journey with my mum I've had her on a keto diet. I do, as you can see in the background, a hyperbaric oxygen chamber there. Um, and putting ketones now in the mix, um, I'm putting the, the ketone esters in before she goes into the hyperbaric. Now, I don't know if that's the right combination to be doing, but my logical brain sort of thinks, hmm, <laughs> I think that'll be a good time to do it. So, um, you know, and so we're always looking at her brain has been through massive, massive trauma, repeated trauma through having concussions, through having brain tumors, through having the stroke, through the aneurysm. Uh, and to see her brain come back time and again, you know, is I, I wish I could have done a, a, a clinical trial on her case, you know, like some sort of being able to retrospectively go back and do all that. We actually just submitted a grant um, with um, the Navy Health Research Center to look at middle to long-term uh, TBI patients. So we know that the cost is going to be huge if we look at acute mitigative or prophylaxis sort of setting. Like you said, ideally, we want to get ketones to them as you know, they experience TBI, but obviously, in order to prove the concept, to even know that ketone has an effect on mitigating or even improving the existing symptoms or the existing deterioration of the brain function, we chose to look at people who have already had TBI for months, you know, a few years, uh, who had uh, difficulty with coordination, with eye uh, coordination and, and, and motor sensory um, sort of uh, problems. We want to see, given giving them ketone IQ, if that, if that sort of uh, improved their condition. So your mom's uh, response to ketone IQ is an amazing reaffirmation of our hypothesis and i'm oh, going to yeah. send this right after like what you wrote in the email i'm going to send it to the naval health research center to to basically just a positive note and Conf say we're on the right track we're on the right track here um let's let's you know push this through because it does not only help with the aging population but also help with the uh, military population where or, or even nfl like sports with high risk of tbi um, and they are investing a lot of efforts into all these gears and helmets and safety but they're still going to, going to get some form of yeah. concussion some form of impact how do you sort of help them from the inside out 
I think that's very important that people should start looking into. I, I think so too, and, and I'm, I'm a big proponent of people having like a first aid kit on the sidelines of, of any of these uh, contact sports, you know, rugby and NFL and all those sorts of things, um, with a whole bunch of things. So, you know, ketones would be a part of that first aid help, yeah. you know, as well as things like, you know, your your amino acids and your phosphatidylcholines and your fish oils and things that could immediately get delivered to that brain that's had that injury in that moment as quickly as possible. And I think right. when, because, you know, we, we, we in New Zealand, we have um, rugby and the All Blacks are very famous down here and, you know, every every little boy and girl plays rugby over here sort of thing. Uh, and the injuries that we're seeing now and, in, in, you know, uh, my brother was a professional rugby player and, the, you know, his colleagues, a lot of them at now at 50-odd um, are having major issues, you know, and early onset dementia and Alzheimer's and things like that. Um, personality changes, you know, all, and it affects just so much. So I'm, I'm excited for that, that research and that we can maybe mitigate it when these things happen. Cause we're not going to stop people playing sport, nor should we. Um, you know, yeah. we want to, we want to live life, but, uh, we want to preserve that brain function. Cause, you know, Absolutely. having, having dealt with that, it's, uh, pretty scary. The aftermath of, of, um, you know, some of these things. Um, let's just jump into a little bit into the, to the areas of, of, um, uh, uh, research. So we, you know, is, is there ongoing? So you've been involved in a number of studies right around the world. You know, can you just give me an idea of some of the studies? We've touched on a few. Uh, is there studies for things like Alzheimer's or Parkinson's or multiple sclerosis or, uh, TBIs and, uh, you know, the, these sorts of things going on currently? Um, I think for TBI, um, has been shown in animals, at least, because it's, it's difficult to run a clinical trial with humans where you, you know, yeah. you have to purposefully sort of <laughs> smash them head. on the head. <laughs> um, yeah. So that, that is a bit difficult. That's why, you know, for us, the grant that we applied for, um, it's around people who have had uh, TBI and dealing with the aftermath. Um, in terms of Alzheimer's, I believe NIH is currently running a Alzheimer's dementia study using ketone esters. Um, we also have, in terms of brain network stability, that was already published in 2021. Uh, Mujica Parody, if you look into it, um, they publish a paper using either ketogenic diet for a week or exogenous ketone, i.e. ketone ester, uh, that they use for one dose. And then they look at functional MRI and looking at the interaction between brain regions um, that is usually uh, declined as we age. So they actually saw an improvement in the interaction uh, between brain regions and, and determine you know, brain network stability. Um, in terms of what else did you mention? Um, uh, MS. Uh, MS, yeah. I don't I don't believe I've seen any research around MS using ketones or exogenous ketones, but one of our colleagues, the head of partnership, Kira, um, her mom is dealing with MS and she anecdotally definitely uh, felt the improvement in cognition with her mom and, and she talks more and, and she, she's way more awake, uh, if you, if you would, yes. uh, just yeah. more alert, uh, around her, uh, her surroundings and stuff. So, um, Worth hopefully, having hopefully some some researchers listening to this podcast exactly. who are interested, please reach <laughs> out. I mean, we're always very, very interested in collaborating with um, researchers because our goal is not just selling product, but eventually, like my, at least for me personal, my personal motivation is, as I said earlier in this podcast, is to bridge between the science and the business. But most importantly, what's more gratifying than knowing that what I'm standing for standing up for actually help people, you know, mm -hmm. uh, and people who actually need it. So, um, you know, we're happy to provide samples and provide products to researchers who are interested in, in studying, you know, specific studies. Um, and we feel that if that is such a critical area, I'm happy to discuss as well. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And, you know, one of the areas that I find, um, you know, I work in clinic with a lot of people, um, with, with, myriad of different things and getting them to do a keto diet is very difficult and then mm -hmm. also for some for, for some of my my clients who have or are dealing maybe with cancers or or other autoimmune diseases who may be on steroids um these sorts of problems come at you so that you that these 
for, for those who don't know, if you're on a steroid and your blood sugar regulations can be can be impacted and you may not be able to get into ketosis. I was just had a client yesterday and she's like, what do I need to get to do to get into ketosis? I'm, I've cut out the carbs completely and, you know, I'm on really low level of carbs and I'm, I'm doing the, doing everything right. And I'm, it's not even moving the needle on the, on the um, keto monitors. And I'm like, yeah, I've seen this over and over again. Um, when you're a young, healthy, metabolically sort of fit individual, you're probably going to get into ketosis quite readily. When you're maybe elderly on 10 different medications and we're trying to help you, you know, get more insulin sensitive and metabolically more flexible and do the keto diet, we, we are doing that by lowering the carbs, but often we're not seeing movement on the keto monitor. They may be at 0.1 or 0.2 or something low. And I've struggled with this with my mum. Anecdotally for you, what might be interesting, when I started working on the microbiome, that's when I would see some movement in the ketones, naturally produced ketones. Um, with my mum, for example, we did a, uh, a microbiome test and it came back with a myriad of issues, very low butyrate in the gut and um, SIBO and many other things. We started working on that and all of a sudden her endogenous, this is before I had the, uh, the ketone IQ in the mix, um, she, she went from 0.3, 0.5, sort of ketone levels uh, in the morning and uh, in the afternoon to 3.4, 3.5 up to 4.5, which was huge. And that was a therapeutic ketotic state, which I had not been able to achieve by diet alone mm -hmm. uh, until we got the microbiome working better. So then along comes COVID. Do? Yeah. And that wiped it out again, that effect. And, uh, when we've only, uh, like five or six weeks since we had COVID. Um, so now we're in that rebuild phase in the microbiome, but also now introducing ketone IQ into the mix. And, um, her ketone levels are now back, you know, um, artificially, if you like, um, back at that good level. Uh, but very, very fascinating, the interplay of microbiome. With ketones, yeah, yeah I, I I have so many questions around that. Like, what did you do? Like, what 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 exactly do you do to, you know, fix the microbiome? Yeah, well, it's an ongoing project, and especially now as we started again, um, I I, I work with a wonderful lady, uh, Dr. Kirsty Worth in Australia, and she is a microbiome specialist, um, and so she's been putting in certain probiotic strains and we've been doing our own culturing. So culturing kefir and um, coconut yogurt and having certain amounts a day and then other um, supplements and herbs that we bring into the mix to try to get rid of the bad stuff, right? Um, so quite a complicated protocol uh, that's definitely still ongoing. Um, but but within a couple of weeks, we saw movement um, in those ketone levels, and this is before the ketone esters. Uh, and then it got completely wiped out with COVID. We just were back to square one. Um, and I haven't retested the microbiome yet, because um, mm -hmm. I want to, you know, hopefully pick up where we we left off and rebuild again. Uh, but very interesting that interplay that yeah. like because she was metabolically and her microbiome was coming back online, if you like, coming better. Um, she was able to produce ketones, and I'm wondering like a lot of, and I, I think it's a, a missing conversation online on YouTube and so on on the ketone space. Is it's you know it's usually the buff. Muscly, muscly guy who's telling you about being, going and doing a keto diet. And I'm going, you might be in a state of therapeutic ketosis at, with that diet. But I can tell you a lot of the 70, 80 year olds, 60 year olds that I'm dealing with, with medications that they're on, they're not getting into a ketogenic state, no matter what we do. And then you've got, of course, the compliance of actually the behavioral change side of the thing, yep. <laughs> which is also a part of it, being human and you know, um, and, and working with older um, people and mum's doing a cameo in the background. Mum, leave that door shut, Hi, please. Mom. <laughs> <laughs> She's off for a walk. Mum. Yeah. <laughs> shut the door. <laughs> I <shut> the door. <laughs> She's obviously off for her little morning walk and um, she likes doing little cameos in my podcasts. <laughs> um, that's all right. We'll let her get away with it. Usually, it's either the cat or mum, one or the other. 
Yeah, um, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but at least she can get up and go for a walk, right? She yeah. was in a wheelchair for two years. So, yeah, uh, uh, absolutely. And, and, you know, be, you know, a lot of these like trainers that I interviewed and podcasters, and they were saying how underrated walking is. You know, yes. on top of you going to the gym and lifting weights, and, and that's all very important. You know, the cardiovascular uh, fitness, as well as the resistance training, being able to really increase muscle mass, as well as increase performance in the brain. Walking in and of itself is a is a is a different like benefit that you can add on top of that. Absolutely. And I, this low level stuff, it's so, so valuable. And just like get out and walk everybody. You know, you don't, it doesn't have to be the gym and have to be everything. But you're just coming back to that topic. I, I do think that that is an area that, that in the ketone industry, you know, that we're in and the metabolic health is, is understanding that some of our elderly population, especially, or people north of 40, even 50 who have certain medications are going to struggle to get into ketosis. So therefore, putting ketones in the mix, exogenous ketones would make seeds to me if we're trying to teach the body. I, I, and this again is, is my, you know, putting two and two together. Um, teaching the body what a ketone is. Cause most of, most of our bodies have never seen a ketone. We've been overfed. We've, as a, as a nation where, or as a world, we're pretty much overfed in the Western world. Um, and we've always got food on hand and, you know, every two to three hours you were taught you had to eat um, to stay, keep your energy levels up. And that's really flawed thinking. Um, any comments to that? Any of that? Uh, no, I mean, you you are on the right path. And, and that is so true because our bodies are so used to glucose to the point that we had to downregulate insulin. Oh, sorry. That we have to we have downregulate the insulin sensitivity yes. because insulin is constantly elevated. So we're like, you know, we need a break. Um, but the the interesting fact is that even though our body is not being, or, or you know, all some people all their lives they have not been exposed to ketones at all. Know that our bodies have all the genes and all the enzymes and all the hormones needed to regulate and metabolize ketones. Because that is in our survival sort of package, if yep. you would. Um, and what uh, if you look at Salva Urista's paper around heart failure, uh, they looked at mice and, and rats and giving them heart attacks and giving them ketones, they actually upregulate um, all the enzymes and um, transporters that's related to ketones. And that's very fascinating. That's this wow. exogenous ketone. This is without going on a ketogenic side, this is just acutely, you are actually turning on all these um, enzymes needed to metabolize ketones already. Wow. And these, so, these so, mice so and rats are obviously keto naive, uh, keto naive um, who have, yep. you know, n- that that's never seen or, or metabolized ketones before. So, um, so you're right in the sense that, you know, we are teaching our bodies to recognize ketones, but we also have evidence that we are actually, you know, by introducing ketones, we are already training all the um, mechanisms, all the cogs, all the machinery that we need in order to optimize uh, ketones. And that doesn't take long. This is really amazing. And that's only an an animal study, but isn't that fascinating that that we have that machinery there ready to go at the drop of a hat should we ever do, you know, a fast. And, you know, you're actually starting your your four-day fast today. Yes, I am. (laughs) Now it's about about 12, about 13 hours uh, of fasting right now. Um, And you're So so I'm doing a little bit slightly different instead of just water fast. I'm doing water and ketone IQ because... We know that ketone IQ does help with appetite suppression. The argument that most people have is that ketone IQ has calories. Does that slow slow the autophagy down or does that, you know, break your fast? I don't know the answer to that. I want to experience it myself to see how I feel. Um, because I know for a 24-hour fast that I've done, it was so easy with ketone IQ because of the appetite suppression yeah. and also the energy that I get from from the cognition and, and physical uh, side of things. So I, I do want to see, you know, first of all, if I can do this um, with ketone IQ, just subjective feel-wise, and if I can, I'm going to repeat it either with or without ketone IQ and be able to measure um, uh, blood biomarkers okay. that is related so you- to autophagy. Right, can because you measure, that's the only way to find out. 
Wow. So you're going to be able to measure whether you're getting into a state of uh, autophagy or not. So or... there are a couple of papers that I found that um, have specific uh, gene that they measure. I, I believe it's called L3, LC3A mm-hmm. gene. And there are certain biomarkers um, that are related to autophagy. Um, I have to pull it up. I had all the tabs open um, because I was watching Limitless Chris Hemsworth um, episode <laughs> on uh, him doing a four-day fast. Uh-huh. Um, and that got me thinking, you know, as a research leader of Ketone IQ, we've got a lot of people who use Ketone IQ for fasting, intermittent fasting. But for a long fast where you want to achieve autophagy, would that impede the fasting yeah. process? Or would that actually assist the fasting process? Because if you think about it, if I'm just taking 70 calories per shot, even up to 500 calories, um, Volta Longo, um, fast mimicking diet, that's still food. And that's about, I believe, about 500 calories per day. So if I have allowance of 500 calories per day and still achieve autophagy, then surely a ketone IQ, even if I take three shots, is only 210 calories. Yep. And, so, and it's not impacting the glycemic, you know, like it's, it's not, not impacting insulin or glycemic index yeah. or, or response. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's the way I do it. Like I do intermittent fasting, just, you know, the 14, 16 hour, depending on the day, what I'm, what I'm up to and, um, having the, the, the ketones, I don't count that as being breaking the fast. I, yeah. I, I, I count that as helping me get into a state of ketosis right. for a few hours at least. And then I right. often wreck it by the nighttime. But, um, <laughs> you know, at least for a while I've been in that state. But we are wanting autophagy. That, so that is a very important question that you're trying to answer or, or initiate a, 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 a N of one around because if we can get autophagy and have the ketones, we're sort of getting the best of the both worlds. Yeah. <laughs> and we'll end, you'll be able to function and not be starving. Because yeah. when you, when you, of course, when you, when you try to fast and everybody use, you use the word fast and everyone goes, ah, you know, yeah. like I don't want to go without my food. And, it, and, and it's a primal thing. We're so, you know, trained to, to, to chase after food as, as mammals, you know, um, and, and to not have the hunger. That's what I've noticed is that the hunger, isn't there so you forget about it and you'll often go oh shoot i haven't eaten anything for you know and that alone is worth it i think because before you know i was very and and as a carb-based athlete i was very you know like constantly focused mentally like a a big piece of my brain was occupied where where's my next food coming from and I yeah. think most, a lot of us are dealing with that. There's a psychological component to that, the emotional side of eating and all of that. Definitely, you know, dealt with that one as well. Um, but also the actual physical cravings and things are not there anymore. Uh, and, and the blood sugars are just much more balanced and level throughout the day, which is, you know, absolutely amazing. No, I'm def, I can definitely relate to that because, you know, when I go to the gym, towards the end of my workout, I'm already thinking, okay, where am I going to get my protein shake? What meal am I going to get right after this? And and that that sort of habit builds up. And yep. now it'll be interesting for the next four days when I work out <laughs> and then knowing that I'm not going to get anything. I might get a ketone shot. Um, so uh, it's it will be very interesting to be conscious of my mind and see yeah, I, yeah I'm just that forward panic, to the experience. Yeah, that whether that panic rises, oh my god, I, I, yes, you know, because it it does, it, it creates a sense of oh my gosh, um, and whether that is mitigated with the, I, I don't, you know, there's an emotional component to that too. You're probably not going to be able to take that one away, but for the good of science, you know, you're going to you know, you're pushing through, <laughs> um, yeah. and 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 the effects, and and I haven't done a fast of that length, you know. Um, and it's something I want to do, but a, a bit like you, like, huh, how am I going to do that and function at the level that I need to function at every day? Um, yeah. <laughs> it is a little bit daunting. I'll, I'll keep you updated on how I feel. And then, you know, then I'll know whether Keto and IQ can be used to do long fasts. And still function as a high-performing yeah. individual. Well, you know, I, I that, better function because I've got three interviews, three podcast interviews in person coming up in the next two days. Wow. So I definitely need my brain to be on point. 
<laughs> well, it is right now. So those ketone IQs must be, <laughs> must be working. <laughs> uh, so Dr. Lett, um, I don't want to take up too much of your time. I, I'm so grateful for your work. Um, very, very grateful to have ketone IQ now in New Zealand, New Zealand, and I can send it to Australia as well. Anyone listening, um, I have a, a, a number of my clients already on it. We've only had it in the country for a few weeks. Um, and uh, I, I have seen the change in my life and my mum's life. And I, I had previously done ketone salts and I, you know, I think they have their place. I think they're great, but I think this is the, the next level up. Um, and, and very excited for the research, especially around brain injuries, given my interest in cancers and things like that as well. Um, so please, yeah, uh, keep up the good work that HVMN Health Fire Modern Nutrition. Make sure you check out you guys, uh, the podcasts. Um, yes. is it just HVMN podcasts? I, I yes, was on it HVMN. years ago with Jeffrey, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we took a year and a half hiatus and, um, we decided to revive it with me being the main host and, yep. um, it's been doing well so far. I'm, I'm really enjoying the process as well. And it's such an enlightening and humbling experience, uh, just interviewing people and, um, meeting all these super smart people. Yeah. yeah. So we, we got to get back, get you back on. Yes, I would love to share, love share my stories and share, Absolutely. you know, yeah, the, the the running adventures and all the rest of it, and but also the ketone experiences. I'll send you a, a link after this uh, for booking as well, so you guys can find us at HVMN on all social media platform and myself at Latmansor L A T T M A N S O R on all social media platform as well, and the podcast is Health via Modern Nutrition Podcast with Dr. Latmansor. Absolutely wonderful. You have been such a treasure today. I really, really am grateful for your time. Thank you so much for having me. That's it this week for Pushing the Limits. Be sure to rate, review and share with your friends. Head over and visit Lisa and her team at lisatamati.com.